It's time for episode 404 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, June 23rd, 2021. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clock Error Podcast Not Found. Oh no, the podcast broke. Well, I should know. It should have. <laughs> I would have known it took this many episodes. My name is Dan Moore, and I am joined by my co-host across this internet, Mr. Micah Sargent. <laughs> How are you doing today, Micah? Someone need to reboot you? I have been rebooted. Hello, hello, and welcome, welcome back to Clockwise. We enjoy having you here. We carefully strip these bits as we tell everybody. We are joined by two awesome guests, and to my left is an absolute awesome poison. It is the web editor and producer of the Texas Standard, as well as a podcaster right here on Relay FM for Parallel. It's Shelley Brisbane. Welcome back, Shelley. Hi, Micah. It's delightful to be here. And we are delighted to have you. And to my left this week, uh, tying up his uh, his status as one of the top guests on Clockwise. It <laughs> by is, number, anyway. Oh, uh, by number, anyways. It's iOS slash Mac developer, maker of your favorite calculator and dice apps, James Thompson. Welcome back, James. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, witness the firepower of this fully vaccinated podcast guest. All right, folks, we don't have much time because this is a 30-minute tech podcast, Dan's fault, and so we should kick things off. Uh, My question for you, do you use any apps or tech to help you fall asleep? Shelly, we'll start with you. Use a very important app. It's called Overcast. I just listen to podcasts until I've drift off. I don't. I have an app running on my watch that will track my sleep, but it doesn't help me fall asleep. So Overcast and some melatonin. That's pretty good. I don't really use much to fall asleep. My well, that's not true. The technology I use is called a fan, which I turn on because I need the white noise in the background. Occasionally in the past, I've used some other stuff. Like I, I tried Headspace a bunch last year, which is a uh, like meditation mindfulness app, which I did find helpful. And if I wake up in the middle of the night, as I did last night, I often turn on uh, something to listen to, which is generally the episodes of the Star Wars radio dramas that I've listened to a million times. So I can kind of tune out and just have some background noise as I fall back asleep. But yeah, that's about it. Uh, I mean, many years ago, I had tinnitus and I had a lot of trouble sleeping because of the constant background noise. So I got into the habit of sleeping with in-ear headphones and playing a variety of soothing sounds to cover it up so my brain could actually relax. Um, that was an iPod back then, usually with uh, long recordings of the ocean so I could imagine I was lying on a beach listening to the waves. Um, and I no longer have uh, that, but because I got used to headphones blocking out some of the busy city around me, I can no longer sleep without something in my ears. Uh, so now I use an iPhone rather than an iPod. Uh, but yes, uh, what really puts me to sleep is also podcasters. Uh, there are a number of people out there with particularly soothing voices. And so long as they're not actually saying anything too interesting, uh, it occupies my brain enough that I don't have to listen to my own thoughts and I can slip away. So really, I use people 
to help me fall asleep. I don't know if they count as technology. I'd also like to give a a quick shout out to Dark Noise by Charlie Chapman, which is a good background noise generator that I've used quite a few times. And it does a variety of environments like beaches, waterfalls, and starships. Nice. Uh, Yeah, I love that app. It's it's a really cool app. For me, it is um, Audible. And so uh, that, that app will play at night. And it's for the same reason. It sounds like we all have used sound for that reason um, to kind of drift off into sleep. For me, it it occupies the part of my brain that is going a 100,000 different places and uh, lets me just focus that part of my brain on that until suddenly I wake up and realize that I had fallen asleep. Thank you all for your answers on that. That was a great one. Let's move on to our next topic, which comes from Shelley. So some people arrange their desks just so, or maybe they alphabetize their spice racks or wax their car incessantly. I maintain that most people who are tech enthusiasts have something similar in their technology life, maybe to do with file management or your screen being just so. So tell me one thing in your tech life about which you are very, very precise. One might even say authoritarian. It's it's funny because it's one of those things where it's the war of being very precise versus being very lazy. Uh, And those two things are often at odds with one another. I think for me, it's probably I've realized um, the window arrangements for sure on my Mac, like where stuff is, you know, my mail app is on the left side, Twitter's running a column down the left, and then like my browser and stuff on the right. Like, I'm just very picky about where stuff is on the screen because I want to know at a glance, like, yeah, that's where my browser is going to be. If all of a sudden my browser is in like the top left corner, it's wow, what's going on? I can't find anything. So I think that tends to be the one that's sort of the most particular for me is just how all the information is arranged on the screen. Obviously, less of a case on like iOS and iPad uh, devices, just because you only have so many options as to how to arrange information on a screen. So I'm going with that and going with my window layout. James, what about you? Uh, while I'm certainly an utter control freak and have many issues about relinquishing power, um, I think that manifests in my apps rather than in my actual working environment. I can and do uh, live and work in a mess. I eat at my desk. I work on the sofa. My files lack anything but the basic organization. I do not have any systems. Uh, I'm good friends with chaos and drive the gods of productivity to despair. And I'm not saying any of that's a good thing. Uh, but I did also famously spend multiple days on the design of a single comma or the layout of a user interface. And the 3D graphic stuff I've been doing recently has literally added a whole new dimension to my unrealistic beauty standards. Uh, nothing is ever finished. It's all just varying stages of awfulness until such point that I have to release something. Uh, generally, you know, I think that the thing I made today is okay. The thing I made yesterday, though, is hot garbage. So what if I just redesigned it again? That thing I said was finished. What if? Uh, I'm basically the George Lucas of dice. So <laughs> I'm going to say I am picky about pixels. Um, all right. Uh, in, in the words of Elaine Sims, dang it, Dan, uh, because <laughs> Windows was going to be my first choice. Um, I am the same way with my Mac. I've got all of them set up and depending on what I'm doing, I'll have it, uh, just so. But the second one that I would pick is, uh, my dock, the way that I set up my dock. And by dock, I don't mean the one that is on macOS. I mean, my physical, uh, Thunderbolt, 
Station 3 dock from CalDigit. Uh, it's got everything plugged in just how I want it. The other day I had to uh, undo and move some things around so, to shoot some uh, video. And when it came time, it was like, okay, this needs to go in this one. This needs to go here. I want this one here. And all of it is so I can literally just plug in one Thunderbolt cord into my Mac and everything works. And it's beautiful and amazing and wonderful. So yes, I'm very uh, picky about how that gets set up. Shelly, what about you? I also am a fiend for window management, but I'll move along because that wasn't my first choice. I came up with this topic because when I was dealing with file names the other day for work, I realized how intense I am about it. And at work, I take audio from its radio-ready state, and I turn it into web-ready state, which means I, for one thing, I have to change it into MP3s. So while I'm doing that, why not change the file name? They have a structure over where they make the audio happen, but I don't like it, so I choose my own. I take the front ends off the file names that say the name of the host and that it's a Q&A versus whatever kind of thing it is. I just have a slug underscore date, which of course is formatted by Hazel automatically for me, and it just goes into the folder the way I like it, and that's the way it end up, ends up on the web. And I realized how much it annoyed me when somebody else had put a bunch of files together and then I was putting them on the web, and I was like, but they're not right! And I did not go back and change the file names, but I'm still thinking about it, obviously. All right, folks, let's take a quick break so I can tell you about... Memberful. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by our pals at Memberful. Memberful is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience used by the biggest creators on the web. You can generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream. Uh, Memberful is the system that uh, many a podcast use to uh, to set up these kinds of membership experiences. And the thing that I know about Memberful is that they make it so easy. Uh, it It kind of like they are ready to do all of the things that you need to do and then some, and they've got tips and tricks for like what goes well for other people who set up membership experiences. And I, that's one of the things that's very helpful about it. It's like, okay, let's not fall into this trap. Let's try this. Let's not try that. Uh, maybe your business's financial situation has changed in the past year. That would be understandable. And now you need a proven solution that's quick to launch so you can stabilize your business and grow. Memberful handles the hard stuff so you can focus on what you do best while earning revenue quickly, while leaving you with full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, your brand, and your membership. It has everything you need to run a membership program, including an optimized checkout, Apple Pay, easy member management, dashboard analytics, free trials, gift subscriptions, and more. And Memberful seamlessly integrates with the tools you already use, including lots of fully managed integrations with the most popular services like WordPress, MailChimp, Discord, and lots more. Uh, Twit set up a Discord through our Memberful program, and it was very easy to do. Get started for free at Memberful.com. No credit card required. That's Memberful.com. Go there now. Check it out. See what it could do for your business. Our thanks to Memberful for their support of this show and Relay FM. Alrighty, we are back from halftime, and now it's Dan's turn. 
I want to know if uh, a little bit about your display setup. Do you use a single display? Do you use multiple monitors? And do you use a single desktop or space or multiple desktops or spaces? James? Traditionally, I'm more of a multiple device person. I usually have an iMac that I do all my coding work on and a laptop that sits on the desk too that has all my email and social media stuff on. The theory goes that I could just close the laptop if I wanted to entirely focus on code. Uh, I never do, of course. Um, there's also a smattering of iPads and iPhones around for when I'm testing stuff. Uh, sometimes I do have an additional computer. Most recently, the Apple Silicon Developer Transition Kit machine. And I set up a second monitor on an arm to plug into that. And now that's gone, I have that monitor plugged into my Mac. So in theory, I am a multiple monitor person, but I'm not really a true believer. Uh, the one thing that has pushed me more towards the light, though, is playing D&D on noted podcast Total Party Kill. Uh, especially when I'm live streaming things as well, I need about 700 windows open. And even the 27-inch iMac screen is too small for that. So I have the other monitor set to the same re resolution, and that's just about enough desktop space. I only ever use multiple desktops by accident. All the screens, Dan, all the screens. I have uh, my MacBook Pro in the middle of my setup and a uh, Dell monitor, Dell UltraSharp monitor on the left and a Dell UltraSharp monitor on the right. Those three screens are set up for uh, my main stuff. Then I've got a 12.9 inch iPad Pro here to the left of me that I can do things that are non-related. So like James, I might open up social media or some other thing. Uh, this is a great way to keep track of stuff without having to, um, without having to like bother the MacBook Pro's processor. And then should I need it, uh, on the far right, uh, underneath or connected to a 12 South, um, stand is an 11 inch iPad Pro. I don't have that one on right now, but in the event that uh, I need to pull up something else for whatever reason, I can. Uh, as I said, all the screens. Uh, Shelly, what about you? I aspire to the multi-monitor lifestyle. The trouble is I have to sit really, really close to my monitor to see it. So it's almost impossible for me to work on two monitors without literally making my head into the sandwich ingredients and you know so so what i do instead is i i have i always have my monitors hanging on an arm because i need that for the for the height and it makes my my life better so i have my macbook pro in clamshell mode because again i can't reach over with my head to see what's on the screen anyway so i have a dell ultra sharp monitor as well that's my main screen and then on another stand i have a 12 inch Point nine inch MacBook Pro, 12.9 12 inch MacBook Pro. I just made that up. I have a twelve point nine inch <laughs> iPad Pro, and it alternates between being the home of mail and social media. And right now, what it's doing is running live uh, website numbers, so I can be really fancy and watch my analytics during the day if I want to. But mostly, I just read Twitter on it. <laughs> so <but> that's <laughs> the way I can run multiple screens without having to, you know, stick my head between two giant monitors. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm a single monitor person. Generally, I have in the past used multiple monitors, but the big issue is my 27 inch iMac is on a sit stand desk that is just not quite big enough for a second monitor. Um, so I end up with a single one there. I do often have my iPad Pro, which is an older 10.5 inch model that I use as sort of a secondary display. Uh, especially as James points out when I'm doing live streaming stuff or, or playing D&D, &D, it's nice to have a second monitor on that. 
Uh, I was asking mainly because my wife got a docking station for her work laptop, and I noticed it used USB-C. And I was like, oh, I wonder if this works with my MacBook. And it, sure enough, it worked perfectly. Uh, and I was like, oh, multiple monitors. Is this interesting? I don't know. Um, but... I do make a lot of use of spaces. I wish they were a little easier to sort of automate and control uh, in Mac OS, but I'm using one right now, for example, for Clockwise, because I can have all my Safari tabs and the Discord and the recording tools open without sort of overlaying it on all the other apps that I've got open for sort of my daily stuff. So I like using those to sort of divvy up where my, you know, for a specific task or something like that. But yeah, I I, I kind of miss having multiple monitors at some times, but I also don't mind having sort of a single focus on it. I, I worry about, I don't want to uh, encroach on Micah's command center is all I'm thinking. It's just a little, maybe a little bit too much. Uh, <laughs> but thank you all for your thoughts on that. And let's go to our final topic, which comes from James. So Microsoft is holding an event this week to announce Windows 11. And according to rumors, one of the changes is that the start menu and running app icons are moving to the bottom middle of the screen, rather reminiscent of the macOS dock. Are there any user interface changes that you've just never gotten used to over the years or still outright reject? I So I'm going to say no, uh, which feels odd for me because uh, I, I would think I would be kind of picky about things, but I uh, do tend to adapt to uh, the different choices that are made by UI, uh, you know, UI designers. Um, when it comes to digital stuff, uh, in particular, I, my brain pretty quickly adapts and is okay with it. And there is something about watching kind of even the rage at the at the slight color change of the Twitter logo, however many years ago, um, that keeps me from wanting to be like that. So I try to be mindful of the fact that human beings, even when they say I love change, don't actually love change and will uh, get upset at the slightest change. And so I, I, I do my best to resist that lizard brained mentality. Um, so because of that, I, I, I tend to adapt. But I want to say that I'm not calling any of you lizard-brained if you feel that there's some UI element that you have never gotten used to. I'm specifically talking about very tiny changes that make people very upset, like the Twitter logo. Um, all right, Shelly, your turn. So I should say that I, I'm sure there's things that I'm forgetting. I feel like there's probably something that made me mad in years past and that I've just sort of adjusted to. Anytime additional transparency is added, I immediately go to system press prefs and do whatever I can to make that go away because that is, does not work for the way my eyes work. So that's partly an aesthetic and partly an accessibility choice. But the, the weird little one that always drives me crazy, and again, it's something I can fix, is used to the status bar at the bottom of a macOS window would show you how much space you had left on your disk drive. And I liked and depended on that feature. And now it's optional. So you have to go and turn it on and view. You have to show the status bar. And I always do that because it just freaks me out not to know how much space is mm -hmm. left on my disk. Also, it lies. It's a dirty liar about half the time. <laughs> that's a different matter. That's true. Um, you know, I kind of it's kind of a mix for me. The one that bugged me for a long time was there used to be this um, like hidden preference in earlier versions of Mac OS X where you could pin the dock to the right bottom right corner or bottom left corner of the screen. 
And I had mine pinned bottom right for the longest time. And I loved it because like the trash bin was always in the same place. It was always like anchored to the bottom right corner of the screen. Uh, and then eventually that went away and I had to adapt to do- life with Doc in the middle. And you know what? It's fine. Like like Micah said, I think I try not to obsess too much about it because I worry that like, not worry, but it's just, it's one more thing to stress about that like I don't need. <laughs> it's like, you know what? I should just try to go with the flow as much as possible. That said, I do think there are cases where stuff that changes the usability, like Shelly's point about transparency for a lot of people. Um and also, there was a recently, like, they changed the notifications in macOS in uh, Big Sur to be less functional. Like, you have to, like, hover over them and find a drop-down menu and all that stuff. And it's like, that's just not as usable as it used to be. And that's frustrating. There's no way to sort of return that that behavior. But I tend to just try and, as much as possible, adapt to whatever comes my way so that I don't get dependent on these, like, little hacks and shortcuts that then eventually go away. Um, but I will say the one that did keep me going for a long time is, um, I loved Safari new tabs opening at the end of the Safari window instead of adjacent to whatever tab you're in. And I did like find a Safari extension (laughs) that lets me do that. And it required some work for a long time to keep it active. So I guess I'm not as adaptive as perhaps I hoped. James, why don't you wrap us up? So given my own checkered history with the doc, see previous episodes, uh, the grumbling online about the Windows changes did stick out to me. I mean, it, it has taken me a good 20 years, but I now do grudgingly use the dock, even if it's not the one I would have made myself. Anyway, um, the one thing that I absolutely cannot get on board with is natural scrolling. Uh, this option appeared in macOS Lion a decade ago, and I still switch it off with every wow. new machine I Same set up. Same here. I wow. totally know that too. I forgot about that. Oh my gosh. Um, I, I hate it. I could... I could spend like three weeks or whatever to retrain it, retrain my brain so that when I want the page to scroll down, I scroll up on the trackpad, but I don't want to. You know, that part of my brain is now set in stone. It has evolved into its final form. I'm good. Um, it's not like I have any problem using touchscreen devices and I don't invert the Y axis in games because I'm not an absolute monster, but this is the hill I will die scrolling on. <laughs> and if it means that I'm forever labeled as unnatural, so be it. Done. Oh, done wow. and done. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Interesting. Wow. Um, I remember when I had a shared uh, workspace back when I worked at a company called Newsy, and I constantly had to fight with the other people. I wanted natural scrolling, and we had some people who kept changing it back. And so it would just go off and on and off and on and off and on. Um, and then I wanted to figure out a way to break the setting, but I couldn't. So I left it. Uh, all right, folks, it is uh, just about time to wrap up the show. Before we do, though, I want to tell you about the IntraZone by Microsoft SharePoint. We're bringing you this episode of Clockwise. You know, it's fun to find a new podcast to listen to. And this one might be for you. The IntraZone is a bi-weekly podcast with conversations and interviews on how Microsoft SharePoint, OneDrive, and related tech can work for you. You'll hear from guest experts behind the scenes and out in the field so you can see how SharePoint fits into your everyday work life to easily share and manage content, knowledge, and applications. Each show covers a bunch of segments like news and announcements, a focused topic of the week, guest perspectives, FAQs of the week, and upcoming events. And the topics for each show are super interesting. Previous episodes have covered migration to the cloud, uh, AI and machine learning, and Office 365, OneDrive Teams, and Microsoft Stream. 
the episode that I like to point out is uh, the one on Power Platform. Uh, this is a cool way to kind of set up automations um, without too much work on your part. So you can connect different tools to it and set up uh, exactly how you want to. So learning a little bit more about that, getting some inspiration on automations is quite nice. Uh, go and listen to it now. Just search for The Intrazone wherever you get your podcasts. That's I-N-T-R-A-Z-O-N-E. Or just click the link in the show notes. Go check it out. Our thanks to The Intrazone by Microsoft SharePoint for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, my bonus question for you. What's a food you hated as a kid that you enjoy now? Shelly? This comes out of trauma. I had some bad tamales when I was a kid, and I don't think I ate them for 20 years. Love tamales now. <laughs> uh, I had way too many because I was a very picky eater as a child, so like most vegetables. But the one that I didn't like for a long time was pasta sauce, and now I love pasta sauce. I almost drink it. I don't, but I could. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> James, um, I checked with my mother live as we went on air, and apparently the answer is ice cream and chili, not together. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Uh, for me, definitely bell peppers. Uh, mm. Just the thought of them as a kid made made my whole body. I still hate them. Yep. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Wow. Uh, for some, they're called capsicum. So that, if you're wondering, what is he talking about? Bell pepper. That's the other name. Um, all right. Well. I believe we've reached the end of another episode of Clockwise, and somehow we found it in the end. Uh, all that's left is to thank our awesome guests, Shelley Brisbane. Thanks so much for being here. It was delightful as always. And James Thompson, thank you so much for joining us. Could one of you read me a bedtime story? <laughs> That'll be on the follow-up episode. Bonus content. And before we go this week, I just want to encourage everybody listening out there um, just to say we really appreciate your support. I noticed as I was happened to be browsing the podcast store that it's been a while since we've had some clockwise reviews. So if you enjoy the show, please head over to, you know, the Apple podcast directory and maybe maybe throw us a nice review. We really appreciate it. And Micah, that's all we have time for this week. We'll be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.